Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. The God of miracles. I've always found it uh, uh, irritating to my spirit when I've heard people talk about an age of miracles or a time where God did miracles. It always irritated my spirit from a young child till now. It has irritated my spirit because the Bible makes something very clear. God is the eternal king. God does not dwell in time. He's the eternal king. What we see as time, he's outside of that. He doesn't go by January, February, and March. He is outside of time. Everything is like an eternal present to him. The moment you were born is like the present to him. The moment you die is like the present to him. He is outside of time. He sees the entire thing as one. And so when people say there was an age of miracles, they are willingly or unwillingly, they are uh, violating a Uh, 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 an essential theological doctrine that we hold to, and that is the immutability of God and the eternality of God. What are those words? The immutability of God is that God can't change. God does not change. God is not open to modifications. God is not like a computer software that you can update at the click of a button. God is immutable. He's unchangeable. This is proven in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. And this is all going to work together to generating the faith that is required to receiving miracles. Everything that I'm doing, I'm laying the groundwork now to generate in you the faith that is required to receive a miracle, not tomorrow, not in God's timing. No, right here and right now. God's timing, I just said it, God is eternal. So the moment Jesus died on the cross, the portal into the miracle working power of God, that access, that gateway has been paid for. And God, as much as religion loves to tell you in his timing, God has been waiting from the moment the problem rose up to perform the miracle for you. So God's timing was 2,000 years ago at the cross. Everything that was necessary for you to be delivered, for you to be healed, for you to be set free, for you to enjoy the rich blessings of heaven has been paid for. And so I know a lot of religion says God's working some mysterious plan. Look, God does not work mysterious plans through sickness and disease. God's not in a back room somewhere working with the devil saying, hey, how can we work our plans? The devil is the author of sickness. The devil's the author of disease. God is diametrically opposed to everything the devil does. Whatever you see God doing, the opposite is true of the devil. And whatever you see the devil doing, the opposite is true of of God. So the Bible says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That means God doesn't steal, God gives. God doesn't kill, God makes alive. God doesn't destroy, God restores and regenerates people and redeems people. So you have to understand, everything I'm saying right now is going to lay the groundwork so that you can leave this broadcast today having your miracle package in hand. Like Hannah. Hannah was believing for a male child. And the Eli the prophet came and said, daughter, put away wine from you. Put away wine. She looked like she was drunk because she had such a violent faith in her spirit as she was pouring out her heart before the Lord that Eli said, man, it's too early to be drunk. She said, my master, I'm not 
drunk. I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. I'm believing God for my miracle. I'm contending for the miraculous for my family. I've had enough of staying at this level. I refuse to stay at this level. I refuse to remain barren. I refuse to not have what God's promised I can have from his word. And Eli said, well, if you're expressing that kind of faith, next time next year, you'll have your own child. And that's exactly what happened. She got up. And even though she didn't see anything in the physical manifest right away, the Bible says she wiped the tears from her eyes and she began to eat again. You might not, you might leave this broadcast today and maybe you're believing God for a financial miracle and the, the money doesn't just come in while you're in the broadcast. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But the reality is, is God is gonna put a faith in you that whether you see it or not, faith doesn't go by what it sees Faith goes by what it hears from God's word. Faith doesn't go by what it sees in the physical realm. Faith goes by what it sees in God's word. God told Abraham, lift up your eyes and look. Look eastward. Look westward. Look northward and look southward. He says, uh, look, and as far as your eyes can see, that is land that I'm giving to you. You can say that northward represents Genesis, southward Malachi, eastward Matthew, and westward Revelation. God is saying, look from the beginning of my word to the end of my word. And as far as your eye can see into my word, that is promises and that is covenant realities that I'm ready and willing and on standby to deposit into your life. So you, this is all groundwork. This is all ground. This is the Holy Ghost is literally tilling your heart right now to make it the fertile soil that when the seed of God's word comes on, whether you see it or not, by the end of this broadcast, you're gonna be like Mark 11, 24 says, that whatsoever thing ye desire, well, it's not about what you desire. It's about what, the Bible doesn't say whatever God desires. It's whatever ye desire, if it be according to his word, because his word is his will. And whatever you desire in this book, if it's salvation you want, it's, it's, it's in this book. If it's healing you want, it's in this book. The word of God is literally the menu God has set before you. And you can order anything you want off that menu. Don't let religious crabs keep you from obtaining God's best. I wrote that on Instagram just the other day and on YouTube. There was a, 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 an account that I follow called Facts and they talked about the crab the crab syndrome where uh, whenever a crab is trying to reach out of a bucket and trying to break free, the arms of another crab will most likely grab that crab and bring it right back down. And so there's the crab syndrome. When you're, when you're around small-minded people, you're never going to generate big thoughts. Well, when you're around religious people, they're constantly going to try and crab you and keep you down and keep you uh, suppressed, constantly keep you at a low level when God's trying to bring you to that which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and has not entered the heart of man. So this is the groundwork. So one, you have to understand his immutability, that God never changes, and then two, you have to understand his eternality, that he is above time, and that the moment God said you can have it in his word, the moment he spoke it, it's since then that he's been wanting to do it in your life. So there's no age of miracles. There's no time of miracles. There is a God of miracles who 
is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And as long as he is on that throne, which is forever, the Bible says that his dominion is everlasting. The Bible says in Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heaven. Well, it's no good if it's just settled in heaven. When you learn to believe, speak, and act on it, it's not only settled in heaven, it becomes settled in your life. And I see everything that's been harassing you, Every devil that's been bullying you and that's been pushing you around and that has been stripping a life of joy has been uh, targeting your life and doing its best, throwing its best at you to try and keep you down. Every blueprint, every plan of hell, I see God totally demolishing and in its stead settling, establishing his best, his miracle power in that area of life in Jesus' name. I want to read Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. This is where this broadcast, actually, I, start, I wanted to do this broadcast because at our church this last weekend, we had two testimonies and one of them particularly stood out to me and it really blessed me. And it did such a thing to me that I'm doing a broadcast on it today. There was a, there's a lady at my church who's a friend of mine. She was driving home. So I, this is why I say the whole, you know, uh, in God's time and he'll do it or all that is all religious stuff. It's not found anywhere in the Bible because I'm going to tell you this lazy story. She's driving home from work in the car and all of a sudden she goes blind. She can't see anything. She can't see anything. And she said, how I made it home, I do not know. It had to have been an angel of God because she could not see anything. Her peripheral vision had just gone. And so she went to her father. Her father is an optometrist. She went to her father and asked, you know, can you do some scans? They did scans. They said, well, you're having a stroke. And so they rushed her to the hospital. Hospital. They did tests on her. They scanned her. And lo and behold, she had a stroke. And the doctor said, you will never regain full eyesight. If anything, you might get 50 to 60% best case scenario. But you're never going to have what you had before. This is the reality that you're going to have to accept. And you're going to have to uh, cope with. And then she immediately said, that's not going to be my story. Why? Because faith has a violent rejection of the enemy's report. Now, the doctor wasn't wrong in saying that this is factually correct. Your eyesight is gone. And historically, we've never seen someone regenerate their eyesight when it's been this bad of a stroke. So he wasn't wrong. And we don't get mad at doctors. We love doctors. Doctors at most, you know, 80%, 90% of doctors are good hearted people that want to help people but doctors are not the solution one of the problems there was this guy in the bible in second chronicles 16 his name was king asa and one of his big problems and it's what cut his life short was that when he had a disease in his foot his disease was so severe and the bible says very sad words the bible says yet in his severity of his disease he did not look to the lord he didn't believe God. He didn't refer to God, but he looked only to the physicians. There, we don't bad, bad talk or smack talk doctors. Doctors at least are on the same page as me. We're fighting uh, with whatever we know to fight with against sickness and disease. We know sickness is not natural. I get along with doctors more than I get with a lot of religious preachers because at least a doctor's saying you can get well, whereas the religious preacher says God wants to keep you sick. When that's religious jargon, it's totally 
a, a demonic seed that the enemy seeks to sow into people's hearts so as to prevent them from accessing God's power. Why do I say that? Because if the devil can get you to believe that the storm in your life, whether it be physical or financial, whether it be marriage or familial, like for your family, if the devil gets you to believe that the storm, that depression, that anxiety, that, that, uh, that, that MS or whatever, is God doing it? Where are you gonna get power to fight God? Where do you ever, you're just, you're not gonna fight the good fight of faith. You're gonna give up and you're gonna say, well, the Lord of the will of the Lord be done, even though the will of the Lord was always to break you free and set you free. But if the devil can slap you back up and point his hand at God and said he did it, then you're in bad shape. But when you identify the true source of demonic, uh, of, of resistance in your life, that it's the demonic, that it's the devil, the Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may bless no seeking whom he may devour seeking whom he may make sick seeking whom he may destroy but the bible doesn't say and you know what while we're in this world we're subject to the the bible says whom you should resist whom you should resist. There's too much preaching that revolves around coping mechanisms instead of resistance. Instead of saying, no devil, enough is enough. I refuse to stay sick another day in my life. I refuse to stay poor another day in my life. I refuse to stay depressed another day in my life. There has to come a point where there's a holy violence that stems from your heart that says enough is enough. Hezekiah in Isaiah 38, the Bible says he was in a sickness under to death and Isaiah the prophet came in and said the Lord tells you that this sickness is unto death get your home in order what did I what does Hezekiah do well nothing we can do about it no he turned his face towards Jerusalem and he said God I refuse to die remember your covenant remember what you said remember that if you, the Bible says if we would serve you you'd bless our bread and water and take sickness out of our midst and it was in doing that that he was healed Isaiah was spun on his ankles went back into the king's courts and the Lord said now, because you believed me, because you refused to die, I've added 15 years to your life. You can ex either accept the devil's packages that constantly come your way and keep signing for them like some ignoramus, or you can identify, hey, the, this is from hell. This is from the devil. I ref I'm not signing for that package. I'm going to tick that box that says return to sender and send it back to hell where it belongs. I want you to write that in the comment section. Return to sender. Return to sender. I'm sending it back. I'm not taking it. I'm not tolerating it. I'm not accepting it. I'm not playing dead. I'm not a, a, a playground for the enemy to come in and demolished. I am a child of God. I am the seed of Abraham. I am a son and daughter of Abraham. And what God promised Abraham is my portion in life. That lady, that's, that was her attitude. She refused to take the stroke. She refused to take the, the doctor's report that she'd never see again. And she began to speak the word. And then she went back a month later and said, well, you're, this is amazing. Your sight's back 40% already. Uh, I mean, this is weird. They couldn't explain it. And she said, she said, well, I 
know what I'm doing is working. So she kept on declaring the word over her. She spoke healing promises over her, over her head, over her mind, over her brain, over her, her eyesight and everything. She went back a month after that. That was in February. She testified yesterday. She went back to the doctor. The doctor said she showed, he showed her two scans of her, of, of her, her, that area of her brain. One scan was full black. Totally blind. The other scan was the one they had done that day. It was a two-hour doctor's appointment. And the scan was totally clear. No, nothing. No evidence that there was ever even a stroke in her in the first place. That's the God I serve. That's the God who said, in any nation, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, if you're Spanish, if you're Chinese, if you're from anywhere in the world, doesn't matter. The Son of God shed his blood for every tribe every nation, and every language. And that God said, any nation of the world, if you'll come to me, not if I'll go to you. There's too many people that are waiting, God, if you'll pass my way. That's not, that's not the program of God. That's not how God operates. The Bible doesn't say, and I'll come to you, and if you're weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It says, come to me. There has to be a step of faith. There has to be an action of faith. I'm going to him. I'm not putting my faith in a doctor. I'm not putting my faith in a medication. I'm not putting my faith faith in an accountant. I'm not putting my faith in a counselor. I'm putting my faith in almighty God because Jeremiah 17 says, cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in the flesh of man. He'll be like a man who will not see prosperity when it comes, but rather blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord and in the Lord. He puts his confidence. The Bible says that uh, uh, it is vain to put your trust in princes, to, in government. It's vain to put your trust in horses. For our deliverance is of the Lord. I'm here to tell you today. You've looked everywhere. Like that woman with the issue of blood. She had spent all that she had on the hands of many physicians. She tried one. She tried the other. She traveled. She went to the experts and the specialists. And she grew no better. She only grew worse. But then she heard about Jesus. You've looked to plan B. You've looked to plan C. You've looked at plan D. Go back to plan A today. Look to God. Like the woman with the issue of blood. I know if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And because she had faith to be bold, to believe, God was faithful to perform his promise in her life and she was made well in that moment. Psalm 121, David, the Bible says, I will look to my mountain. I'm going to look to my impossible situation. And then he asked himself this, from where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? How you answer that question is very important and it'll determine if God acts or not. From where does my help come from? David said, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. There's nothing that's too hard for him. There's nothing that's difficult for him. There's nothing that gets God to sweat. There's nothing that gets him to, uh, to panic. The Bible says thou hast made the heavens and the earth and there's nothing too difficult for him. He told Sarah when Abraham was visited by God and said by this time next year you'll hold a child. She was a 90 year old woman. He said this time next year you'll hold a child. She laughed and the Lord asked her is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Some people think that God's only concerned with small things. 
God's concerned with small things, but God can do the big things. God can do the impossible things. Luke 137, the Bible says, for with God, nothing is impossible, nothing. Stage one, stage four, bad stroke, small stroke, type one, type two, MS, fibromyalgia, it doesn't matter. If it has a name, then it has to bow to the name that is above every other name. The Bible says in Philippians 2, Jesus has a name that is above every other name. That at the pure mention of that name, not even the constant religious recital of it, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You don't even have to say it like a nutcase that came out of a psycho uh, ward. You just have to say it once. In the, at the mention of his name, the Bible says, every knee shall bow of things in heaven. That means where principalities and powers are. Of things on earth. That means your earthly dealings. And of things under the earth. That means hell itself. If it has a name, then it has a knee that must bow to the name that is above every other name. And I see the name of cancer bowing out of your life today in Jesus' name. I see the name of diabetes bowing out of your life in Jesus' name. I see the name of poverty and lack and every curse of the law making its way out of your life today in Jesus' name. Jesus didn't come so you can cope with the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And today, enough is enough. You're rising up to your inheritance in Jesus' name. Mark chapter 9. When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, they ran to him and were greatly amazed, greeting him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes with his teeth and becomes rigid. That's a pretty, pretty bad situation there. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. And I want to remind you, Mark 9 is after Mark 3. In Mark 3, Jesus already gave his disciples power to cast out demons and heal the sick. So the disciples tried to, but they couldn't, and they were wondering why. And the man said, I brought them to your, I brought them to your disciples, but they could not, not they wouldn't, not that they didn't try, they could not cast it out. And he answered and said, Oh, faithless generation. He starts to rebuke his disciples because that's who he was looking at. He was talking to his disciples here. Oh, faithless generation. How long am I going to be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? That's Jesus speaking. Well, Jesus, that's not very Christ-like. Jesus was Christ. He is Christ. He is Christ-like because he is Christ. And he rebuked him straight up. How long am I going to have to put up with you? Why? Because doubt is an offense to God. Doubt is offense. I know there's a lot of religious teaching nowadays that says explore your doubts. Some say, you know, doubt is an invitation that God's calling you deeper. And they make all this glamour out of doubt. Doubt is offensive to Jesus. The Bible says Every time he saw doubt, he rejected it and he rebuked it. The Bible says in Mark 16, 14, he went to where the disciples were hiding after Jesus had risen from the dead. They were, for fear of the Jews, locked up in an upper room. And Jesus enters in and the Bible says he rebuked their unbelief. He didn't say, hey, I understand, you know, 
Nobody's ever just risen from the dead before. You've never seen it. I understand this. He rebuked their unbelief. There's a song I was listening to this. It just popped up on my YouTube music. I did not choose this song. It was like, I don't know what the algorithm is on YouTube music, but it ain't that great because they would know that this ain't the type of song I listen to. And the song went like this. Get this. The song went, sometimes I wonder if he's faithful. Sometimes I wonder if he's good. Sometimes I wonder if he's faithful. Sometimes I wonder. It was a Christian song. A Christian was writing it, which goes to show you, you shouldn't read everything that pops up on the screen at church if it violates the integrity of God's word. There's a lot of garbage that people in church sing every single week, and they think they're drawing near to God with their mouth, but in reality, the doctrine is so flying in the face of who God is, it's actually irritating to God. Imagine, most songs on Christian radios are cesspools of doubt, bacteria, polluting people's hearts and minds all around the world. There's a lot of Christian songs that is doubt bacteria that is infesting the minds of believers worldwide. Could you imagine your child singing about you? Could you imagine, this is your child, he's just going around your home and he's just humming and he's adding lyrics to it and these are the lyrics. Dad's never held up any of his promises. He's never been good at keeping his word. I'm not sure if he wants the best for me. Not sure if he hears me when I talk. Like, I would say, ooh, Judah, what's, what's wrong? What have I done? I would be, it was such a misrepresentation of my nature and character and my heart for him that when he sang it, it would actually irritate, it would strike a chord in me. It, it would get me, it, it'd get me infuriated because how, how could you think that about me? And then there's people in the church that sing as if God's some child abuser. God is not a child abuser. God is a good God and he's got good things. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no shifting shadow or variant of change. Meaning, if it's not good and it's not perfect, it's not God because there's no shadow of change. There's no change in him. There's no change in him. He said, how long shall I bear with you? And most people's doubt, this is what I was getting into because he got, he got fed up. He said, you faithless people, how long do I have to put up with you people? Because it's not that the disciples... Didn't believe God couldn't do it. They knew God could do it. And most people in the church, it's not a question of God's ability. It's a question of it's they, them. They question God's willingness to do it. Oh, Lord, I know that if you, if you would, you could. It's not if he would, he could. It's that he could and he would. There's a, a person that came up to T.L. Osborne once, was sick. The mother was sick. It was a daughter that came and stood in the gap for her. And the daughter said, I know that if God would just show me his will concerning my mother, she would be healed here and now. He turned to her and he said, well, how do you believe it's God's will to save your mother? And she, without even blinking an eye, said, well, the Bible assures me of it. Because if anything, the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I know that it's God's will to, to save her. Well, then he pulled out the Bible and he showed her three other scriptures. 
Exodus 15, 26. I'll not allow any of the diseases on you that I put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Exodus 23, 25. The Bible says if you'll serve the Lord your God, he will bless your bread and your water, and he'll take sickness out of your midst. Then he showed Isaiah 53 that by his stripes you'd be healed, and he bore your sickness and carried your pains. And then he showed him the healing scriptures of the Bible. Acts 10, 38, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And then Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he said, is that sufficient evidence for you? She said, yes. And she went home, laid hands on the mother, and the mother was healed as she explained from the word. That's why I always tell people, it's the entrance of God's word that brings light. You see, the solution to your problem today is light because what's causing your problem is darkness. And when we flick a switch and the light comes on in this room, when I put on these studio lights in this room, I don't have to pray for the darkness to go. I don't have to pray and believe God and fast for 40 days for the darkness to go. I just have to switch the light on. That's what's happening to people here and now on this broadcast. As I'm sharing the word, I'm not trying to share my thoughts. There's a lot of preaching. They get up on a stool with ripped jeans and a soy latte in their hand, and they try, I'm just sharing my thoughts. I'm gonna share a few thoughts. I talk about, you know, I read something in GQ magazine the other day. All of that is garbage. It's not helping people. It's not setting people free. I didn't come to share thoughts with you. I came to proclaim the good news that the captives can be set free, that the oppressed can be healed, that the brokenhearted could be mended that the gospel has come and it means joy to the earth and goodwill towards men on the earth hallelujah so don't ever doubt God if you must doubt something doubt your doubts for they are unreliable and if you have doubt in your heart the great the devil wants to make you to think that you have to stay at that level of doubt that doubt will never leave you Thoughts of doubt may never leave. There's always going to be a thought that comes over. A bird is going to fly over your head, but it's up to you whether you let it build a nest in your hair. The thought can come, but we're taught to cast the thought down and take it captive to the obedience of the word of God and to the obedience of Jesus Christ and his word. The Bible says, so therefore, brethren, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble, whatever things are excellent, whatever things are good, dwell on these things. So the Bible challenges us that thoughts may come, but you get to choose what you dwell on. The bird can fly over, but I get to choose whether it builds a nest in my hair. And I choose that it doesn't build a nest in my hair. I choose that the thought of doubt doesn't remain in my mind. I choose to dwell on the word of God. I choose to think on the thoughts of God for me. I choose to dwell on the word of God for me. I choose to believe that every promise of God is yes and amen for me and my family in Christ Jesus. So if you have to doubt something, doubt your doubts. For they're the unreliable thing. And then don't believe the devil that you have to stay in doubt. You see, there's three stages of faith in the Bible. Three levels of faith that Jesus identified in the Gospels. One, no, no faith. People that had no faith. He told the disciples, how is it you have no faith? But that's not you because you're born again. If you're saved, if you believe on Christ, you have faith. So it's not that you have no faith. There's people that have little faith and little faith produces little results. And then there's people that the Bible says they have great faith. And the good news is, 
is if you have no faith, you can move to little faith. And if you have little faith, you can move to great faith. And you can move on to marvelous faith. Jesus said in Matthew 8, he marveled at the faith of the centurion. You can move into marvelous faith. You don't have to stay at the same level of faith. You can grow your faith to expect God for the, un for, for the impossible. So this is the, this is the man. They brought him to, to Jesus, and when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Often he has thrown him both in the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I love this. Mark, Mark 9, 23. And Jesus said to him, if I can he was offended. If I can, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know that every tree you see on the way here, I made it? Don't you know the law of gravity that governs the earth? I did it. Don't you know the universal laws that keep the earth in, in its place? And I hang it on nothing. That's all me. That if I chose to change the law, I can let this earth just evaporate. If I can. He was offended by it. That if you study the original language there, he's not saying, if I can. What do you mean if I can? He's saying, if I can. It's like a, like a, a reaction he had. What do you mean if I can? If I can. And he says, all things are possible to him who believes. You see, the man was trying to make God totally responsible for the outcome of his life. He was trying to put all the responsibility on God. Well, I know if you can, you'll do it. I know if you will, you'll do it. When God said, if I can, and then you look at the leper that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I know if you are willing so the leper didn't doubt God's ability. He said, Lord, I know if you're willing, you can make me clean. He doubted God's willingness. And Jesus said, I am willing. What do you mean if I'm willing? I am willing. I've come for this very purpose, to heal, redeem, and save humanity. So people are trying to put off the responsibility to God. But God gives you responsibility to believe. I believe. Quit putting things off to God, stating God's sovereignty. Well, God's sovereign. He'll do it in his timing. When God's saying, my timing's at the cross, now you have to choose to believe. You have to choose to, like Matthew eleven eleven says, ever since John came preaching, ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Not the passive. Not the let's see where this goes. The violent. Take it by force. I refuse to entertain this thing in my life another day. I shut the door on this disease. I shut the door on this financial lack. I shut the door on perpetual breakdowns and distress and anxiety. The Bible says, whatsoever things ye shall bind on the earth shall be bound. Not whatever God chooses to bind. Whatever you bind. Jesus gave you the keys of the kingdom. This is why it irritates me when I see Christians that are suffering year after year after year. Because nobody's told them. It can stop today. But it, it's up to you. You have to take the thing that Jesus gave you. The keys of the kingdom. The keys of authority. You know, Jesus said, I have the key of David. I open up and no man can shut. That key of authority 
of authority is yours to bind the things that hurt and harm you in life and then loose God's miracle working power to go and reverse the things that, that, uh, that the enemy sought to destroy in your life. God can reverse the irreversible. God can change the unchangeable. God can move the immovable obstacles of life. But the Bible says, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. So God in his sovereignty has implemented a system of faith. And it's when we operate the laws of faith that God is faithful to perform. Luke 1, the angel comes to Mary. Hey, Mary, you've never known a man. You've never uh, had intimacy with a man. You're not even married yet. You're in your engagement period. And we know that. But you're going to have a child. Oh, how can that be since I've never known a man? The power of the Lord is going to overshadow you. And that which shall be born of thee shall be called the child of the most high God. You know what she said? Well, I, I, have you ever studied biology, Mr. Angel? Have you ever read uh, some biology textbooks? You know, that's not possible. I, I, I don't believe this. You know what she said? I am the servant of the Lord and let it be done to me as he has said. And that's what faith is. I'm a servant of God. What God's word says, I take it. What he said, I receive it. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You know what the angel said? Blessed is she who believed, for there shall be a performance, a performance of those things that are spoken by the Lord. People are waiting for the performance before they start believing when the Bible says you should believe simply because of his word and because of that, there will be a performance. The performance follows the believing. The performance follows the believing. These signs shall follow them that believe. Thomas, you have seen and believe, but blessed are they whom they've never seen and yet believed. That's you. That's me. I've not seen God raise the dead in my own eyes yet, but I believe it and I'm going to see it. That's what David said. I'm going, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He wasn't seeing the goodness of the Lord at that time, but what he said generated the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. He said, I would have lost heart had I believed everybody else's report. Had I surrounded myself with the naysayers and the doubters and, and, and the, the haters. But I chose rather to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. And knowing that he's good, I know that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the, of, of the living. The man cried out, after immediately the father of the child cowed down and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, this is where a lot of people stand. They have faith enough to tune into a broadcast like this. They have faith enough to come to church Sunday after Sunday and even the occasional prayer night on Wednesday. They have faith enough to, 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 to call themselves Christians. They have faith enough to come to church, tune into a broadcast, but some lack the level of faith to actually receive it for themselves. They have enough faith to be around Jesus, but they have never stepped over into that level of faith where they actually press through the crowd and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. There is a level of faith that people have where they're okay being around the religious aspect of Christianity, but lacking the spirit of faith to actually tap in to the power of Christianity. 
Lord, I believe that man had faith to bring his child to the disciples and even had faith that when the disciples didn't pull through to bring the child to Jesus. But it seems to me from reading this scripture, he said, Lord, I believe I have enough faith to bring him to you, but I'm lacking faith to actually see you do a work. There's a lot of people that have faith enough to lift their hands in worship, to sing songs on the screen, but they come to church and if you'd ask them, and, and they were very sincere and unbiased and honest with you, they would say, I didn't actually expect God to do anything for me today. I hope that's not you when you tune into this broadcast. I hope we don't just do this for entertainment because that's not my objective. I don't want to do broadcasts just so that people can be entertained for an hour and a half. I don't want to do broadcasts just so that people can have something to listen to while they're on their lunch break at work. I want these broadcasts to act as a hammer that goes to work in destroying the structures of hell been set up in your life to, to, to do the impossible in your life. To see what I has not seen in your life. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's what this broadcast is doing today. It's helping your unbelief. You're stepping out of the realm of unbelief where the devil can whip you every day of the week and you're stepping into the realm of faith where all things become possible to you. You know, doubt limits God. Do you know that doubt limits God? It limits what he can do in your life. Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes to Nazareth. He couldn't do anything there because of their unbelief. And he marveled at their unbelief. The Christ, Jesus himself, people say, well, I know if Jesus was here right now, he'd heal me. Jesus is here right now. He lives in your heart. Not only is he here, he's in you. But doubt ties the hands of God and prohibits him from moving forward because of the law of faith. Doubt, unbelief cuts people from the, the flow of God's miracle working power. Unbelief is the thief of God's greatest blessings. Hear this, doubt destroys more people and keeps more people bound than any demon in hell ever wishes they could be or ever wishes they could do. Doubt keeps more people bound and more people damaged and destroyed than any demon in hell ever wishes that they can do. And that's the sad reality of things. That's the sad reality of things. So what's the formula of genuine faith? Three things. Knowing God can do it, knowing God will do it, and knowing that faith is now. Faith is now. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, whatsoever thing ye desire when you pray, believe that you have it. Not believe that one day you'll have it. Believe that you have it, and you shall have it. You'll have it. There's a lady that came up to R.W. Schombach once, and she had a candy. She, told, she gave him the candy. And he said, well, thank you for the candy. He said, I want you to wear it. She said, I want you to wear it while you preach. He said, I'm not wearing this candy. I'll eat it, but I'm not going to wear it while I preach. She said, yes, you will. He said, no, I won't. She said, you do handkerchiefs and aprons. He said, yeah, because Acts 19, 11, Paul wore handkerchiefs and aprons and distributed it to the sick and the demonized, and they were set free and healed. But they have never seen anything with candy. She said, just do it, for I'm going to bring it to my sister. She's in an insane asylum somewhere, and I know, I have faith to believe that if she'll have that candy after you've preached with it, she'll be delivered. 30 years that lady was locked up. 
R.W. Schambach asked the Lord for, he repented and said, Lord, she had bold faith to do it. I'm sorry if I got in the way. He wore the candy, preached with it, gave it to the daughter, the, do, the, the, the sister of the lady in the insane asylum. And the doctor called 15 days after she had visited her sister and gave her the candy and said, I don't know what's been happening to your sister. And she said, what's wrong? Is she, like, is she bad? Is she worse? Is she going on another episode? He said, no, the opposite is true. The last 15 days, she's been totally normal. She's in her right mind, and we don't know what happened. And we've called in doctors and specialists to examine her. It's like she's just snapped out of it all of a sudden. Went on to, the lady ends up... I think it's like 10 years later, goes to R.W. Shambach's meeting, comes up with her sister and says, hey, brother Shambach, remember me? He said, no, lady, I'm sorry, I don't. He said, this is my sister. It's like, that's great. Nice to miss you, sis. Nice to, meet, nice to meet you, sister. She said, you really don't remember me? No. I'm the candy girl. And he said, my goodness, her sister not only never went back to the insane asylum, but this is like 10 years later, she had a full-time job, she worked at the church, and I think she did like their accounting. She was totally restored in her mind. Whatever the devil had scrambled her brain, like scrambled eggs with, God was able to unscramble the eggs and give her a sane mind. Hallelujah. Why did God do that? Because that lady had faith to step out and believe, to look foolish before men, but be faithful before God. Naaman came to Elisha and said, Elisha, I'm, I'm a leper. I need healing. Elisha didn't even come out of his house. He just gave Naaman an instruction. Go to the Jordan River and dip your body in the Jordan River seven times, and in the seventh time, you'll, you'll be restored. Your flesh will look like a child's. He got offended at that. You know, people ask God for a miracle. You know what God will reply with? An instruction. When people ask God for a miracle, God will most likely reply with an instruction. And it's in keeping that instruction that the miracle is bred. The miracle is birthed. Naaman said, I need healing. Elisha said, dip your body in the river. He got mad. What do you mean dip my body in the river? There's the river of Damascus. That's way cleaner than that Jordan River. I saw a band-aid floating in that river. It's disgusting. Hasn't been chlorine, uh, shocked. And then the servant of, the, of Naaman came out and said, hey, hey, before you turn away and get angry at the men of God, if he had asked you to do some crazy thing, if he had asked you to travel the earth and find some spice and do all this, wouldn't you have done it? How much more when he simply asks you, to dip and be healed. And then he came to his senses, and I'm sure the first time he was like, man, this is so stupid. What am I doing here? But he had enough faith to go out and, and step out and do the action of faith. See, faith is two things. Faith is a fact. God is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask, think, or imagine. But faith is also an act. Faith is a fact, and faith is an act. And it's the action of faith that brings in the reward of faith. The seventh time he dipped and his body was restored like that of a child. John chapter two, Mary comes to Jesus. They've ran out of wine. What does that have to do with me? Mary turns to the servants, go, and whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Do whatever he tells you to do. So what happened? The Bible says, Jesus told them to fill the water pots with water. But master, 
We need wine, not water. Moreover, those are purification pots. They're filthy. People have cleansed their hands and all that stuff in them. They're not really clean. It's not very sanit uh, sanitary to serve stuff that's been served out of, that, out of those pots. Jesus said, whatever I tell you to do, do it. And that's the secret to, to, to miracles. That's the trigger. Obedience to God's word is the trigger that fires off God's miracle working power in your direction. They went to fill the water pots. And I'm sure at the first they're like, wait, wasn't it water we needed? Why are we pumping? You know, they had to pump. It wasn't like they can turn on a faucet and have water flow. They had to pump. Wasn't it water we needed? Why, uh, wasn't it wine that we needed? Why are we doing this? I don't know. But something tells me this is going to turn out okay. And as they did... They not only produce wine, not only does there a sign and a wonder, it was the best wine the master of the feast had ever tasted in his entire life. The Israelites wanted the walls of Jericho to come down. They didn't just sit on their blessed assurance. They got up and they heard the word of the Lord, march around the wall seven times, eat one time every day. And on the seventh day, march seven times around the walls, and on the seventh time, blow the trumpets and shout unto God with a voice of triumph, and it shall come to pass when it happens, the walls will come tumbling down. They could have said, you know what? We've been marching three days, four days, nothing's happened. No, they kept on doing. They did what God said until they started to see what God said would come to pass, and the walls came down. People are asking God to do the things that he's already given us, the simple step of faith necessary to unlock the things we keep asking him for. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to heal me. I already said, take the oil, slap it on your head, pray the prayer of faith in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I said already, if you'll follow those simple instructions, I'll raise the sick up and I'll heal him. I'll heal him. God, I, I need a financial breakthrough. I need a financial. You can pray until you got no more breath in your lungs to pray. Pray until you're blue. Fast until you're dead and not break free from financial collapse. Because Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. The Bible says in the New Testament, Paul said, he gives seed to the sower and the God will multiply the seed that you have sown and he's able to make all grace abound to you so that you have a sufficiency in everything and in abundance unto every good work. If what you have is not enough to meet your need, then it must be seed. And when you sow the seed, God will meet your need. And more than that, he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory and give you an abundance for every, an abundance for every good work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus in Matthew 21, and this is what I feel this broadcast is doing. In Matthew 21, he goes into the temple and he takes a whip and he makes a whip and he drives out the tables of the money. Uh, he turns over the tables of the money changers and he drives out those that sold doves. And they were abusing the purpose of the temple, which was to help the people and meet their needs. He drove them out and he said, this is a place of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. And the Bible says in Matthew 21, right after he does all that, and all that were sick and lame and blind came to Jesus and he healed them all. And that's what I feel is happening right now. The word of God 
is acting like a whip and it's driving out unbelief. It's driving out religious teachings that have kept you from the very thing God desired to do in you. You see, those religious people, those Pharisees, they had monetized the temple. They had totally polluted the purpose of the temple. They had distorted God's plan. They were making money off people's hurts, off people's struggles. They were promising them things if they just kept buying the doves and kept buying the turtle doves and kept buying the sacrifices when God already said, sacrifice I have not desired, a broken and contrite spirit I will not reject or despise. They they totally manipulated the word of God for their own personal gain. And I'm sorry to say there's a lot of preachers that are like that. Buy your miracle, buy your break, through by your deliverance they will go they will stand before God one day and have to give an account there's no amount of money Paul, Peter told Simon the sorcerer when he tried to buy the Holy Ghost he said may your money and your gold perish with you for you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money it's not money faith is the currency of heaven and Jesus whipped he drove them all out he whipped them all out and he restored the purpose of the temple and they came to him and he healed the sick and, they, and he, he opened up the blind eyes. He unstopped the deaf ears. And you know what happened? The Pharisees saw the wonderful things that he did and they became indignant. And religion hasn't changed. They're mad. This guy talks about miracles. This guy, he's, you know, he's just a sensational, charismatic personality. That's why he preaches that way. You know, they, they, they hate it because religion wishes they can offer what only God can offer. Religion seeks to monetize God's power when it's free. That's why even the wicked system of this world, that's why the pharmaceutical industry, all of them, they're anti-gospel because they make money off what the gospel does for free. If you're sick, you can be healed for free. If you're poor, you can tap into heaven's economy for free. If you are demonized and you need deliverance, you don't have to take pills that medicate you until you're a zombie. You can be free. The problem is in America and Canada and Western culture, we always look to insurance instead of the blessed assurance. Uh, Benson Hosa was preaching in Australia once and he was a mighty man of God that worked miracles for the people. And he, he rebuked the crowd. There were a bunch of, you know, elite people and all that. And he's been, he was used to preaching crusades all throughout Nigeria when Nigeria was nowhere near being a Christian nation. It was actually the most populated Muslim nation on earth. There were only 400 churches when he began his ministry. By the time he was dead, he had planted 10,000 churches. His very first, the very first thing that launched his ministry was a, a kid was, uh, was like on a building and he fell over and his head, his scalp, cracked his skull cracked open and his brain spilled out and he was dead and there was a crowd that was just hovering around him and he was riding his bike his bike he saw the crowd he came in he had just heard a sermon he had been saved for like a month he had just heard a sermon that god can do the impossible so he saw this kid with his head cracked and his brain spilled out he went and he said stand away he grabbed the man the boy's brains put it back into the head 
grabbed the scalp, sealed it back up, and prayed. The scalp sealed back up. The kid got back up, totally healed, totally restored, and then began the ministry of Bensonito Hosa. You can imagine he had one problem in his entire ministry, and that was finding a venue large enough to hold the crowds that were coming in to hear the word of the Lord from his mouth. He told those Australian people, he said, you see, the reason why God does more miracles in Africa than he does in America or Australia and abroad is not because his will is different, it's that in Australia, you have your blessed insurance, whereas in Africa, we put our faith in the blessed assurance. And he said, when I go and do a crusade in, in Africa, I open up. He said, I was doing one with Reinhard Bonnke. We had a million people present. And he said, I opened up the crusade by saying, if you are sick, Jesus is here to heal you for free tonight. If you are oppressed, Jesus is here to set you free for free tonight. And the crowd erupted in praise. He went and, well, he was preaching in Australia to the very same people. He said the same words. If you're sick, Jesus is here to heal you tonight for free. He had three claps, like a golf clap. And nobody else budged. If, the, uh, if, if, if paramedics came in and they said that we heard someone has died here, they'd have to clear the first four rows before they got to the actual dead person because they all looked dead. There was no excitement. And he said, this is why, because when I say Jesus will heal you for free, most of you are thinking, well, if it doesn't happen, I have my insurance. Well, if it doesn't happen, I have plan B. Well, if it doesn't happen, I have that doctor's appointment on Tuesday. They, didn't, they don't have the money to do that overseas many times. They don't have the insurance to get it done. If God doesn't pull through for them, who can? Who will? There was a lady in my crusade in Guatemala. I was preaching on the God of the impossible and the God of miracles. And I talked about how with God, nothing is impossible. She was pregnant, nine months pregnant, set to give birth. The baby had not changed direction. And she came to the altar that night and the translator explained to me, saying that she's scheduled for a C-section because the baby is not changing, it's not turning, the head's not down. And she didn't want to do a C-section because we were in the rural parts of Guatemala. It's not like this Ivy League school doctor was gonna perform the C-section. Uh, and, and not everything's very sanitary sometimes in those areas. And so she was, I don't want to go through that route. I want to deliver naturally. So I put my hand on her belly and I said, child turn in Jesus name. She began to weep. I moved on to the next. She testified that night. She said, and, and, and it was evident to her because she had excruciating pain on her ribs because the baby was in that horizontal position. She said that night when I said child turn, she felt the baby just drop and it turned right in that moment. That's not coincidental. That's not haphazard. That's not random. That's not good luck. That is the power of God that is able to change the unchangeable, reverse the irreversible. But you have to take the stone away from the tomb. They came, Jesus came to the, the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, roll the stone away. They said, Master, we know he'll rise again in the resurrection. Don't bother, don't bother him now. He's dead. We've already settled. We've already accepted. We've, <coughs> we've come to grips. We've realized we're not going to have Lazarus in this life. But don't worry, we have him in the next life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Where I go, dead things come back to life. And I'm not waiting for you to make heaven to have you taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forevermore. 
So he said, roll the stone away. Mary said, master, by now he stinks. Quit giving God excuses as to why things don't happen or things can't happen or things aren't happening or things are being delayed. God, when he says, I will do the miracle, he doesn't want an excuse. He's not here for dialogue. He's not here to bounce ideas back and forth with you. God God is not trying to bounce ideas back and forth with you. He just wants your simple, I believe. That's it. John 5, he comes to the, to the pool of Bethesda, and there's a man there that's lame from his mother's womb who had never walked. And Jesus comes to him and he says, do you want to walk today? Sir, I have no man. I've got nobody to help me. And he started, that's what happens. When people come to me and say, hey, can I pray? Can, can you pray for me? At the end of service, they say, can you pray for me? I say, what do you need prayer for? And instead of just saying, lay your hand here. There's a growth. I needed to go. They say, well, you see, it all started when I was 12 years old. Uh, my grandfather had this. And then I started going to the doctor and they did some exams. And then this started happening. They just go through every, they don't just get to the point. God, Jesus Cuts the guy off. He starts saying, sir, I have no man. Whenever I'm about to get into the pool, somebody gets in before me because at a certain season, the angel of the Lord would come and stir up the pool and whoever got in first was healed of whatever affliction. And it's funny because there's people that are still like that today. They're waiting for an angel to come. They're waiting for, uh, 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 they're waiting for uh, their spiritual eyes to be opened so they can see angels before they can be delivered. They're waiting so that they can get that package they ordered from that ministry that has water from the the Sea of Galilee. I know that when I just drip that water on my head, that depression's gonna go. They're waiting. I ordered this thing off so and so's ministry because I gave my best seed. He's sending me a piece from the actual Ark of Noah, and I know if I'll just keep that on me like a lucky charm. They're waiting for things to happen like those people. They waited for the steering of the angel in the waters so that they can be healed. People are waiting for miracles when Jesus already came to work that which was necessary for you to receive your miracle. There's no more waiting here. Get the waiting mentality out. It's the whole in his timing stuff that's keeping people sick and bound and bruised and contorted and distorted he already did it he already did it sir I have no man you know what Jesus said he said enough get up and walk he didn't even say you know I know it sucks now but know that one day you'll walk on streets paved with gold he said walk you know it's funny because all God has ever done since the beginning of time is say things that's all he's ever done. He's never actually moved and done things with his, God, his spirit. All he does is speak. When he saw that the worlds were full of darkness and void and the darkness was hovering, which represented the devil's works, because remember, Satan had been cast out of heaven. He had come to the earth. He was confined to the earth. That's why darkness was over the surface of the deep. And all God said was, let there be light. All God has done throughout history is speak. That's all he's ever done. Let there be light. He said, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered from their destruction. He just speaks on his throne and things happen. That's all God has ever done. When Jesus got to the man that was paralyzed, he just did the same thing. Get up and walk. When the man came into the synagogue with the withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. 
He didn't even touch him. He just said, stretch out his hand. That's why I prayed before coming on this broadcast today. Lord, as your word goes out, let it generate the faith required to receive a miracle today. And I tell you, I want you right now. I feel faith is at an all-time high right now on this broadcast. If you're watching me right now and you're sick in your body, I want you to get up. I want you to get up. I want you to do something you couldn't do. I want you to move something you couldn't move. I want you to, to bend over if your back was hurting. I want you to jump if your feet was, were hurting. I want you to move your body. I want you to move your neck. I want you to do something in faith. Step out of the boat and walk on the water and see that God's power will hold you up. In Jesus' name. God's only used his mouth since the beginning of history. And I'm using my mouth because I love Reinhard Bonnke heard from the Lord the first time he went out to evangelize. And the Lord said, my word in my mouth is just as powerful as my word in your mouth because the power is in the word. Why do you think in Matthew 7 it says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, we work miracles in your name. But he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Because even if a minister is not right with God, God's word spoken is going to produce something because my word shall never return void, the scripture says. That's why he says, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, depart from me, I never knew you. They say, but we work miracles. Yeah, anybody can do that. Just speak the word. Just speak my word in faith and it'll happen. That doesn't mean you're right with me. Reinhard Bronke heard from the Lord, my word in my mouth is just as powerful as my word in your mouth. And so I'm releasing God's word over your situation right now. Whatever form of darkness has been lingering and hovering over your life, I speak light in that situation. I speak <coughs> the release of God's miracle working power in your life in the name of Jesus. I speak creative miracles in your body. Your organs are coming back to life again. Your kidney is coming back to life again. Lisa Newton, if you're watching in the name of Jesus, your kidneys are regenerating. You're always on my heart. I always pray for you. Your kidneys are regenerating in the name of Jesus Christ. If it's liver problems, your liver is being reformed. A brand new lung is coming to be. A brand new heart is being reshaped in your heart. Your eyes, I speak a miracle in your eyes. Those that have blindness, those that are near blindness, those that have 50% sight, God is reversing macular degeneration, reversing nerve damage in your eyes, reversing any type of tissue in your eye. Your retina is being reshaped. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to your auditory nerves. I command them to line up with the word of God. I unstop your deaf ears. Any foul spirit that has kept you deaf and dumb, you release them today in Jesus' name. You shall hear, you shall speak, you shall hear, you shall see. For the Bible says, in that day, Isaiah 35, the king shall come with judgment and with the recompense of God he shall come. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. I declare blind eyes be opened now. I declare deaf ears be unstopped now. I declare cancers leave now in the name of Jesus Christ. The original state of Eden is being restored in your life right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Isaiah chapter 51 the Bible says then the Lord shall restore your gardens like the garden of the Lord he will comfort your waste places like Eden in Jesus name 
Anything sin has done to your body and your life, even if it's a mistake from your past, God is reforming it. Women that are watching right now, that are believing God for the fruit of the womb, that are believing God for a miracle in your womb, that are believing God for a miracle child, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to your womb. Be fruitful and multiply. In the name of Jesus, be fruitful and multiply. You shall bring forth a child. In the name of Jesus, there shall be none barren. There shall be no miscarriage. You shall bring forth your fruit and your child shall come forth not with trouble but for blessing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. I speak to your finances, those that are watching, that have been believing God for a breakthrough in finances and you've been giving and you've tithed and you've, you've been bringing your offerings. In Jesus' name, you're leaving the realm of lack. You're leaving the realm of insufficiency. You're entering into God's abundance today in Jesus' name. I curse poverty in your life. I curse and rebuke the devourer over your finances in Jesus' name. Loose them and let them go in Jesus' mighty name. Kunda baharia kosoto ebra vindo ko ramba seke retosti ambragia toso. Come on, violently reject the thing that the devil has sought to do in your life. Reject it with all your might. I refuse to have my child sick. I refuse to go to hospitals every week for dialysis. I refuse. To see depression plague my home. In Jesus name. This is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. I tell you in Jesus name. The Egyptians which represents the enemies. And the demon agents sent against your life. The Egyptians that you see today. You will see no more. I see God rising up. And every enemy bowing out. In Jesus name. This is your day of jubilee. This is your day of freedom. This is the day of release for the children of God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Ought not this daughter of Abraham be loosed? Ought not this son of Abraham be loosed? Satan, I'm speaking to you in their lives. Loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel the anointing. It lifts up every heavy burden. And it destroys every yoke of captivity. I feel God's doing something right now. I feel like God's doing something right now. Holy Spirit is, is, is moving powerfully. He's hovering over your life. Just shout, I receive it. I receive my miracle today. In Jesus' name, today is a day of miracles. Today is a day of testimony for you and your house in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says this has, has been ordained to turn for you for a testimony. What the enemy sent to wipe you out is being turned for a testimony right now. For a testimony. For a testimony. That lady that I started this broadcast with that was supposed to be blind the rest of her life because of a stroke. Now, not only is she not blind, not only does she have better sight than ever, but it, now she has a testimony. Now she's been equipped thoroughly with a testimony that'll show people, my God is not an option. He's not a buffet 
option amongst other foods within the buffet. God is, he is the God of the universe. He's the king of kings. All of the gods of the men of this world are like they're idols. They have eyes they don't see. They have ears they don't hear. But our God is the living God. He's the one who's the one, the, the, the miracle working God. He's the one that the Bible said made the heavens and the earth. He's the one that the Bible says has done all things well, has perfected those things which concern me. He is the God who can do the impossible. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Kunda Baravistanda. Hallelujah. 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 I love how people are in faith. They're saying what they had. Chronic pain is leaving me right now. Overthinking is leaving me right now. People heaviness leaving me right now. Kundaste Brodostondo. Umbaravinama. I speak joy. Joy from the Holy Ghost right through you. For a merry heart doeth good like menace, medicine. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Medicine. God's going to fill you with joy, and the joy is going to act like medicine throughout your whole body. You know, the number one cause of, of sickness is depression. A lot of times, anxiety and depression and fear. Well, God's joy is going like a medicine. to. It's like going to act like a medicine throughout your body, throughout all your flesh, throughout all your bones. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name, be free. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do it right now. Right now. If all you do is get a miracle, you'll go to hell with a miracle. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. The Bible says, how can we born, be born again? Very simple. A, you admit that you're a sinner and you need God's help. B, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he took upon himself the penalty for our sin. And C, you confess Jesus is your Lord and your Savior and you commit your life to Christ from this day forward. If you've never done that, you do that right now with me. If you have done that and you need to rededicate your life, get back on track, you do that right now with me. Don't put this off till tomorrow. Put sin out of your life. Cut sin out of your life. Right now and right here. In Jesus' name, pray this with me. Say, Father, I come to you today. In Jesus' name, I believe God rose Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Wash my sin away. Let everything become new. Where I was weak, Make me strong. Fill me with your spirit. I'm a new creation right now. The blood of Jesus cleanses me. And I'll never be the same. Heaven is my home. God is my father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go on my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up, if you on YouTube and Facebook, one on each, if you can put salvationnow.ca in the comment section just to help them, I want you to click that link. I want you to go uh, to, to the first link, sorry, that, that pops up is I just got saved. Click it, fill out that form and get it to me. I'm going to send you something free of charge, a Bible, some books that are going to help you in this new journey with Christ. And uh, I want to do that as a way of welcoming you into the family of God. 
And we're never going to hassle you for money or anything like that. It's just, I want to get something to you. Free shipping, free handling. It's no money for you. We're paying all of it. I want to get that to you. Resources that are going to help you in this walk with Christ. Do that now. Salvationnow.ca. I just got saved in the link, in the, in the, in the, the first link that pops up. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.